Volume One, Chapter Ten of Mrs. Armitage or Female Domination by Mrs. Gore. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Helen Taylor. Chapter Ten. Here, easy quiet, a secure retreat, a harmless life that knows not how to cheat, with home-bred plenty, the rich owners bless, and rural pleasures crown their happiness. Dryden though all the world admits that country neighbourhoods in england are apt to bear a strong family resemblance that with few exceptions all have their grand family their parvenu family their pattern family their sir charles grandison or charming young man their harriet byron or sweetest creature in the world their censorious old maid their bookworm or their bore still each has its peculiar cachet and characteristics the very soil of county and county parish and parish does not vary more curiously than the nature of its human produce it is true mail coach roads daily newspapers and book clubs have done wonders to efface the individuality of organization and the habits of the metropolis have diffused themselves over the provinces with more celerity than may be wholly desirable the readiness of communication from one end of the empire to the other precludes all possibility of any nook or corner remaining shut out from the progress of civilization as we sometimes find the case among the lesser towns of france or germany still there are spots more secluded than the rest remote from a high road remote from the manufacturing districts where the ways are rough and the means of improvement limited where the land divided among a few great proprietors gives no shelter to speculators and small encouragement to innovation where human nature remains unsophisticated and character characteristic and precisely one of these was the neighbourhood of holywell mill hill was its only duodecimo estate while the town of thoroton situated at six miles distance and in a great measure the property of the family of spalding greta and armitage had too recently acquired political independence to have become fully aware of the purposes of that hydra-headed power conferred upon it by the liberality of government nor had the influences of fashion fallen like a mildew upon the land distance from the capital and other causes conspired to perpetuate a certain old-fashioned quaintness a sort of oaken sturdiness of character nearly extinct in the conventionalised country of newspapers and railroads the spaldings were at too great a distance to exercise much influence the rotherhams were home-staying unambitious matter-of-fact people the wemmersleys mere dots in the map and mrs armytage fox-hunting excepting was little else than a squire in petticoats a beardless justice of the peace but between holywell and spalding court precisely as if to form an unassailable outpost of the cordon sanitaire destined to preserve the neighbourhood from the contagion of the times was situated a certain manor-house called the grange very little altered in its outward show from the period when john of gaunt is said to have made it his favourite residence 
and not in the slightest degree disturbed in its interior distribution from the days when lady margaret maranham widow of the thirteenth baronet of that name retired in dudgeon from the fallen court of her gracious mistress queen mary of medina pursued even to her dower house on the banks of the wharf by jealousy of the accession of a protestant dynasty situated on the lowest level of a hollow whose springs were collected in the moat that protected three sides of the house thence to find an unperceived issue towards the river flowing at the distance of a few hundred yards the grange consisted of a low quadrangular edifice of freestone ornamented by a heavy disproportionate battlement with an infinity of tall fanciful gothic chimneys apparently running to seed facing the main entrance on the side where a paved courtyard supplied the place of the moat was a carved screen of stonework rising to nearly half the height of the principal building which had been superadded to the gothic grange about the reign of first james while closing in the courtyard terminated at either side by a turf and terrace stood a double row of lofty trees elms beeches sycamores the down drooping branches of which swept the grassy embankments of the terrace while their elevated tops afforded shelter to a colony of wood pigeons and spread a dense shade upon the walk extending round the court and crossing the archway of the old stone entrance gate which formed a prison-like approach to the ancient mansion-house of the maranhams in the moat might be discerned from the terrace which at either extremity met and overhung its precipitous channel a shoal of venerable grey carp coeval with the abdicated lady-in-waiting of the abdicated queen disturbed in their lonely haunts only by the rivalry of a pair of veteran swans of unnumbered generations with whom they waged a sort of half amicable war such as the friendly neighbours of an uneventful country parish are apt to cultivate to while away the long summer days and longer winter evenings in the kennel of the adjoining offices dwelt a species of obsolete mastiff a breed partaking of the bloodhound and peculiar to the place and in the stables the stalls of which bore in worn-out capitals the names of highflyer pastorella miss prue jewboy and crocus stood at rack and manger other highflyers and pastorellas great-grandchildren of the original tenants of the place the oven was larger than the coach-house beside the yawning kitchen fireplace was the turnspit's wheel the great hall was surrounded with a music-gallery ornamented with stags heads the uneven floors being tessellated with curious inlaying the large elizabethan windows admitted no air and little light far less indeed than the carved doors shrunken within their shattered lintels altogether there was a degree of quaint antiquity about the place which would have transported to rapture even the molluscous nature of an f r s such was the appropriate residence of three venerable spinsters like the manor-house of vast antiquity but in excellent preservation co-heiresses of sir wolston maranham last representative of one of the first created english baronetages the founder of the family was said to be a certain gallant captain maranham 
who in the time of king edward the sixth of catechismal memory or thereabouts shared the bitter fortunes of that gallant admiral frozen with all his crew off the coast of norway and from the surviving offspring of the weather-beaten sailor had arisen a race apparently smitten with the curse of commemorating in their manners and appearance the miserable destinies of the originator of their house with few exceptions the members of the maranham family might have passed for statues of ice the principal of these exceptions however existed in the head of the house miss or as she was usually termed in the neighbourhood mrs die maranham who succeeding on the decease of her father sir wolston to the presidency of the estate had adopted at once as a duty and a pleasure all the habits and practices of her predecessor mrs die was a mrs armytage cast in a coarser mould or rather perhaps what mrs armytage might have been had not matronhood and maternity chanced to recall her to the softer duties of her sex mrs die had found no affectionate arthur to share her destinies no caressing infants to inspire her with a taste for milder pleasures her horses and dogs nay her kine and her oxen were all engrossing favourites she looked like a groom and talked like a grazier miss margaret the third sister preserved on the contrary all the rigid immobility characteristic of the maranham family a chartered invalid shawled to the teeth and not allowing even the zephyrs of summer to visit her cheek too roughly she sat ensconced during the three summer months of the english year in a bay window of the parlour rivalling as far as the thickness of its lozenge glazed casements would permit the temperature of a modern hothouse and during the nine winter months in an oven-like chimney-nook of the same apartment her infirmities real or imaginary formed a pretext for avoiding even the limited circle of society frequented by her sisters and either genuine in disposition or the singular variety of distilments and decoctions with which under the name of simples she chose to irrigate her fertile field of ailments certainly imparted a most spectral appearance to features originally feminine and delicate she was said to have been in former days the beauty of the family miss avarilla the second of the weird sisters and although by a lady inclining to threescore still treated by miss die as a young thing not altogether to be trusted to her own discretion was a being as rigidly cold and formal as the coldest and most formal of the maranham kind yet incessantly perplexed with business always in a sort of solemn bustle horace walpole has described the motions of the duke of newcastle as resembling what one might fancy of a man hung in chains trying to move from one place to another those of avarilla maranham resembled what the fancy might conjecture of an automaton wound up to seem in a hurry busying herself with the cure of all the souls and bodies in the parish foundress of half a dozen institutions of the kind called charitable corresponding with dr jenner respecting the incubation of cuckoos and the natural history of hedgehogs with the gentleman's magazine under the name of philalethea concerning the gothic origin of the latin language 
with pestalozzi touching the indoctrinization of the naughty little boys and girls on the Maranham estate with philanthropic owen respecting the remoralization of mankind and with professor achten machten groppischkeit of jema touching the magnetic origin of the universe she remained cold undemonstrative and inaccessible as one of the relentless fates dead to society so called forgetting the great world and by the great world forgot omitting like pope's artemisia to pare her nails and wear a cleaner smock amid the contending interests of foreign and scientific labours although heartily despising mistress di as an unintellectualized materialist avarilla made it a point of conscience to treat her with the respect due to the head of the family and between the conscientious allegiance of the second and the apathetic acquiescence of the third sister diana chaste but not fair maintained undisputed sway at the grange trotting along the high road to thoroton on her favourite bay sixteen hands high with her straight grey hair escaping from a napless beaver she might have been mistaken for talleyrand in a riding habit seated in her audit-room among deed-boxes files of papers plans contracts notices circulars and affidavits she resembled the spectre of her old father sir woolston tricked in antique ruff and bonnet and it was amid this cluster of rusty evergreens that the fairest blossom of the county was opening into bloom and fragrance it was at the grange surrounded by the reverent mrs or mistresses maranham that rosamond devonport was growing into the graces of womanhood alternately chided and caressed by the three ungainly sisters cuffed by mistress di for a coward mourned over by miss margaret for her wilful self-exposure to sun and shower and lectured unceasingly by miss avarilla for the mightiness of her ignorance and the smallness of her powers of application and yet they dearly loved her all three took pleasure in her cheerfulness and pride in her beauty and sooth to say it was as the brightness of a sunbeam irradiating that dilapidated abode but rosamond or as she was commonly called rose devonport was not only the idol of the grange but the favourite of the whole neighbourhood for she afforded a never-failing source of wonder and conjecture to the idle and the garrulous who she was or whence still remained a mystery although for twenty years the subject had afforded a text for scrutiny and commentation to the gossips maid wife or widow of the adjoining parishes somewhat before that period sir woolston maranham a martyr to hereditary gout had translated himself to be killed or cured at the good city of bath and been translated back again two years afterwards to the crowning honours of the family vault when the three spinsters his daughters took possession accordingly of his estate and dull enough appeared the tenor of their days until in the course of a year or two there suddenly and mysteriously arrived at the grange a nurse and child miss avarilla the habitual spokeswoman of the family explained to those whom it might concern that the little girl was the orphan of a distant relative who had died in the west indies bequeathing it to their guardianship but old lord rotherham 
father to the present earl who was at that time resident at greta castle and of what he considered a facetious turn of mind swore he was intimately acquainted with every marriage and intermarriage of the marinhams every twig of the family tree not a leaf of which was blazoned with the name or designation of devonport and was fond of insinuating that the bantling bore a nearer consanguinity to die the least starched of the co-heiresses of his friend sir woolston than comported with her maiden fame at forty to avow for a time the notion gained ground but when it was seen that mistress di evinced not the slightest embarrassment under lord rotherham's innuendoes that she made no secret of her affections for little rose nor any show of inclination to enlarge upon the child's west indian origin people began to give up their chimera rose certainly was a kinswoman and ward bequeathed to the care of those who had little else to care for and even mrs armytage their dear mrs armytage the constant object of their regard and admiration knew no more of miss devonport's claims upon their tenderness than they had chosen originally to announce it will scarcely perhaps have been implied from the foundership of the family under king edward of blessed memory that the marinhams were adherents to the church of rome yet so it had been so it was the ladies were staunch rather than bigoted catholics and a venerable man their father's ancient chaplain and their own resided in a comfortable house within a short distance from the grange to minister to their spiritual wants and among the results of the nonconformity of the family was the education bestowed upon rose devonport in the nunnery at york notwithstanding the tenderness of affection with which she was regarded by her guardians it seemed impossible to mistress di that her young charge could be trained in the way she should go otherwise than on the spot and after the manner that she and her sisters had received their principles of instruction from the age of ten years therefore to eighteen rose except during her vacations was lost to the grange twice a year she was welcomed within the old portal and twice a year the neighbourhood of thoroton pronounced that she was fairer and more graceful than ever and it was a subject of admiration to all that while her accomplishments were beginning to rival those of lady laura greta and miss armytage rose devonport retained the archness and simplicity of a child not all the scolding of all her three guardians could subdue her deportment into demureness and any one might have conjectured from the girlish liveliness alone that her veins were wholly untempered by the ungenial currents flowing in direct descent from the frost-bitten admiral it was only the winter preceding arthur armytage's unlucky marriage that rosamond emancipated from her conventual thraldom came to settle at the grange and sophia had at present enjoyed little opportunity of exercising her kind and elder sisterly intentions towards one who appeared at least half a century too young for the place and the people among whom her destinies were appointed mrs armytage luckily entertained a long-standing neighbourly regard for the elder dames and from the moment that rose took her place among them arrayed in the graces and importance of womanhood had said to her daughter 
be kind to that poor girl concerning whom the wemmersleys have circulated such unjustifiable surmises rose had even once or twice been invited to pass a week at holywell although the misses maranham two of whom were too busy and one too idle to quit home would neither consent to act as her chaperone during the visit nor suffer their precious charge to incur alone the perils and dangers of eight days passed in such dissipated society as that of their stately friend mrs armytage and her gentle-minded daughter had it been otherwise had rose been indeed a frequent guest at holywell and the intimate companion of its heir apparent the indignation expressed by di and avarilla on hearing of his marriage would probably have been attributed by the malignants at mill hill and elsewhere to the disappointment of a speculation of their own for uniting miss devonport with the richest proprietor of the neighbourhood but as rose had scarcely happened to meet with the delinquent from the time when in childhood they were occasionally holiday playmates it was simply inferred by wemmersley that the elder spinsters desired to impress by inference on the mind of the young lady the madness of a love-match and the heinousness of disobedience against the authority of those appointed by law or nature as the governors of youth yet harsh as they were rosamond dearly loved the three crabbed guardians of her infancy she loved the grange with all its quaint reminiscences she loved to muse beneath the overshadowing trees of the old courtyard she loved the venerable carp swans mastiffs highflyers and pastorellas who after every successive absence seemed to welcome her home she would follow mrs di on her pony round the farm whenever that lady's masculine vocations were such as to admit of the companionship of one of her own sex she would indite letters and copies of letters if not unweariedly at least uncomplainingly to lighten the epistolary labours of the painstaking miss avarilla and above all she would place the easy-chair the footstool the pillows for the studied ease and comfort of miss margaret and try to entice her out into the sunshine of a gay summer's morning or bring to the dreary table of the hypochondriac all the fairest products of her flower-garden but margaret was too apathetic or too selfish to requite her attentions even by a smile of the three sisters she was evidently the one who entertained least affection for her little relative perhaps because the vivacious movement of the happy healthy rosamond reminded her too mortifyingly of her own habitual infirmities or disturbed the even current of her lethean blood it was on a chilly afternoon in april that the invalid was sitting apparently dozing in her armchair her shoulders wrapped in an angola shawl her feet covered with a quilt of eiderdown while rosamond devonport who had done her share of duty by reading her to sleep sat demurely working at her tapestry just far enough from the log-fire roaring in the chimney to escape actual roasting mistress di had ridden over to thoroton to ascertain the progress of the election avarilla was gone down to the village for the weekly examination of her spinning-school and nothing but the hospitable practice of the grange which forbade all imagination of such a deed as to turn visitors from the gate on the lying plea of not at home 
prevented the drowsy margaret from protecting her own departure for the land of dreams when the hobbling old serving-man entered the parlour to announce that mr wemmersley and a strange gentleman were dismounting in the courtyard a strange gentleman R rose my dear lay aside your work and go upstairs mechanically responded the old maiden rousing herself by a gentle a very gentle shake but wemmersley was already on the threshold to intercept the movements of miss devonport and no sooner did the half-open eyes of miss margaret maranham rest upon the uncouth person of mr leonidas lomax than she involuntarily ejaculated rosamond you may remain the strange gentleman was so very strange too strange to be dangerous while wemmersley was pouring forth his complimentary inquiries after her sisters his congratulations on the amendment of her looks and the evident improvement of her state of health congratulations which he knew to be of all things most vexatious to the habitual invalid rosa could scarcely take her eyes from the square-shouldered sturdy ungraceful carolinian with his frost-puckered visage and scrutinising glances she did not even notice the significant looks hazarded by wemmersley at his companion implying did you ever see such a queer old place did you ever meet with a more vapid old twaddle mrs di rode into thoroton did you say was wemmersley's first attempt at conversation i trust then she will extend her ride as far as holywell to console poor dear mrs armytage mrs armytage what has happened to her inquired miss margaret a slight tinge colouring her sallow cheek and betraying the utmost warmth of sympathy she was ever known to lavish upon the disasters of her fellow-creatures sophie is well i hope cried rose unable to maintain the rigorous silence imposed on her by the orders of her preceptresses during the presence of visitors very well i believe replied wemmersley examining the point of his riding-switch and the captain as well as can be expected i suppose the sick woman coloured more deeply than before at the expression apprehending some unpleasant double meaning has anything occurred to arthur armytage said rosamond unsuspiciously is he returned by a majority of one hundred and thirty-four a majority of a hundred and thirty-four i meant said miss devonport still perplexed to inquire whether captain armytage was come back not exactly come back he has come forward come forward demanded margaret with a puzzled look in plain english interrupted leonidas not perceiving the wit of prolonging the mutual misunderstanding of the parties mr armytage or lieutenant or captain armytage or whatever the young gentleman calls himself or is called by his friends i beg your pardon for interrupting you mr lomax said wemmersley with a grave face but his worst enemies never went so far as to call poor arthur lieutenant armytage we may waive the difficulty i calculate replied leonidas sneeringly by calling him at once member of parliament for thoroton for the representation of which loyal burg your sapient friend my lord leicester spalding has proved a rejected candidate 
lord leicester spalding defeated i am heartily glad of it murmured miss margaret in her usual feeble voice but true to the political principles of her family arthur armitage elected i am heartily glad of it cried rose in a far more cordial tone but not more cordial spirit he must now settle in england and sophia's happiness will be complete not unless she happens to find particular gratification in witnessing total estrangement between her mother and brother snarled mr wemmersley mortified to perceive that the news he had communicated gave pain to nobody oh but it will be impossible for mrs armytage to keep up a show of resentment against her son when she finds herself under the necessity of meeting him constantly and seeing him well received by all the world that may not tend to smooth matters between them so long as he is ill received by herself but after all what sin has he committed rose rose devonport faltered the guardian spinster interdictingly married at three-and-twenty without his mother's consent continued rose not hearing or not heeding the imputed injunction a very venial transgression we may conclude observed leonidas sententiously in the eyes of a young lady of sixteen eighteen sir if you allude to myself observed rosamond casting on her strange visitor a look of ineffable contempt rose rose devonport again remonstrated the invalid raising her withered hand with an air of impatience you cannot surely think cried rosamond turning towards her reprover with a glowing but unabashed face that parents have a right to prolong over persons grown to years of discretion all the wilfulness all the caprice of their authority in matters of such dear importance as marriage choice the authority of parents over a child cannot be either wilful or capricious replied miss margaret with a degree of cold serenity affording a singular contrast to the ardour of her youthful pupil but supposing it both the first duty of a child is submission but my dearest granny cried rosamond using in the eagerness of her argument a term of endearment sometimes permitted by the mild invalid during her earlier years you surely do not mean that you consider it the duty of mrs armytage's son after obtaining the affections of a young lady of good conduct and good family to throw her off on finding his mother express a vague disapproval of the engagement i do said miss margaret but her feeble accents were drowned in wemmersley's scornful vociferation of good family magnificent consanguinity indeed for one of the oldest houses in the county of york cousin to some crack-brained irish baronet her claim to gentility resting pour tout potage upon her blood relationship to some emilia so so shaughnessy of ballina gibberish in the county of limerick rose rose devonport again ejaculated the invalid but as rosamond was neither speaking nor intending to speak nor even gesticulating the dislike she could not help entertaining for the sneering proprietor of mill hill she could not exactly understand to what in this instance the disapprobation of miss margaret was directed did you speak do you want anything that i can give you said she 
perceiving that the looks of her enfeebled companion were more wan and miserable than usual no child no nothing go and see whether either of my sisters be returned i am but a poor companion for these gentlemen i am not equal to conversation i and from the increasing and deadly paleness of her cheeks rosamond saw that she had indeed overexerted herself come with me into the library to wait mrs maranham's arrival cried she abruptly to her guests we have been talking too loud and too inadvertently considering miss margaret's nervous condition she did not even pause as she led the way into avarilla's scholastic sanctum to note the looks of pity and contempt exchanged between her brazen-hinged and iron-nerved guests thank heaven we have no nervous ladies t'other side of the atlantic was the whispered adjuration of the rationalist thank heaven we have got rid of the old lady even at the cost of a fainting fit was the friendly rejoinder of his amiable nephew but what the deuce could so strangely overset her end of volume one chapter ten please note that the text version of this book has no chapter eleven so this recording will move on to chapter twelve